Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. It can be found on page 1038 in a few Bibles. Again, that's Ephesians 1, verses 11 through 14. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to his purpose, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. The story is told a few years ago in the Eastern European country of Moldova of a college student who was sitting in his room one day writing a paper and he, he had a knock on the door. As he gets up from his desk and walks across the room, there standing on the other side of the door in a suit and tie is a lawyer representing his uncle. But to get to this point in the story, we need to flash back about 10 years when this young man by the name of Sergei was at a family reunion. And at this reunion, he met an uncle whom he had never met before and whom he never met again. Just one of those family reunion type people. But he had left such an impression with him that his uncle had rewrote his entire will to leave all his money to Sergei. And so as this conversation back at the doorstep with the lawyer continued, Sergei realized that his life was about to be changed forever. His uncle had left him the equivalent of over $1 billion. He woke up that morning a poor, broke college student, and that night he went to bed one of the richest people in the country. The, excuse me, the power of an inheritance. Good morning and welcome to Services in Mount Juliet. I'm excited to be back and I'm also very thankful to have the opportunity to bring the gospel to you this morning. What I want us to talk about today is I want us to talk about us as children of God, as sons, as daughters of God, and the fact that as our father, he is the king. And since we are his children, we are in line to receive his inheritance. And so what I want us to think about this morning is I want us to think of this lesson like a puzzle. Each verse we look at, each theme that we study is going to be a different piece of the puzzle. And as we go throughout the lesson, as we put the pieces into place, by the end of the lesson, we will see what it truly means to be children of God living for the king's inheritance. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at a lot of different verses this morning, and they should all appear on the screen. But if you want to write it down, we are going to be flipping back and forth quite a bit. And the first thing we need to realize this morning, the first piece of the puzzle, is that we need to understand that we are intended to receive the king's inheritance. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, we see, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So we see in verse 4 where it says that we are chosen, we are set apart, we were handpicked by God. And not only were we picked, but we were picked long before the foundation of the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years before you and I were here on this earth, God chose us. Let that sink in for a second that you were handpicked by God. 
And it wasn't a special selection of only a chosen few, but the fact that we were all picked. We all have a purpose in the plan of God, and He wants us working in that purpose. But with the mindset of being chosen, what exactly were we chosen for? Well, it says that we were chosen to be holy and blameless before Him. That's one of the themes that as children of God we will see so often, and the theme we'll develop this morning, is the repeated call to holiness we have as Christians. It's our job to live to the standards and the values set forth by the Word of God and for us to maintain that holy lifestyle. For us to be children of God, we can't maintain the lifestyle of the world and still be His child. It's one or the other, and we have the call to holiness. And then as we get to verse 5, it says that in love, He predestined us for adoption. So we were chosen to be adopted through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, none of this is possible, and we have to go through Jesus Christ for our salvation to become one of those children. But let's think about adoption for just a second. Today, people who get adopted are kids who are orphans, whose parents are deceased, whose parents are either no longer able to care for or desire to care for them. So they live in an orphanage with limited possibilities, limited opportunities, and very little hope. But then along will come a couple with love, with means to provide for a child, with nurturing and care. And they give this child a future. They give it a home and they say to the child, I want you to be a part of my family. And so when we think of this in a spiritual context of adoption, that's exactly what God is saying to us. He's saying, you are orphans. You're lost. You have no home. You have no hope. You have no family. But I've chosen you. I've selected you for a purpose, and if you will submit and be my child, then I want you in my family. It's a beautiful thought to think about that God has handpicked you for adoption. And then as we get to the end of verse 5, we see that by following his will, that by doing all these things, it's according to the purpose of his will. Everything God does, there's a purpose and a reasoning behind it, and we know that we were chosen for his will. To help in fulfilling the purpose of that and that by following him, by submitting to him and becoming a child, we in turn are fulfilling the will of God. And in verse 6 is another thing that we will see developed so often this morning. Is that when we follow the will of God and that when we are his children and doing the things we're supposed to do, that we bring praise and glory and honor to his name. So as children of God, we understand that we were chosen before the creation of the world. That there have been tasks given for you and I to do to help fulfill the purpose of Christ. And it's his will that we follow those through. And in doing that, we in turn bring praise and glory and honor back to God. And that's so much of the Christian walk is for us to bring praise and glory back to our Father. And so to develop this point a little bit further, skip down with me to verse 11 and 12. of Still in Ephesians chapter 1 where it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In verse 11, we see so much of what we've been talking about already this morning. We have obtained an inheritance. It's ours. We have been predestined for adoption according to the purpose and to the will of God. And then as we get to verse 12, again we see Christ, but we also come to another theme I want us to look at this morning. It's the theme of hope. And it's those of us who hope in Christ are again to the praise of His glory. 
But in thinking about our inheritance and us as children of God in verses 12 and 13, we get a little bit more of what that involves. We see where it says that in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So that when we believe in the word of God, when our conversion occurs and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's part of our inheritance. As children of God, we are living for the eternal inheritance, but until we get there and obtain it, we're given the Holy Spirit. Who is the promise? Who's the guarantee? Who's the surety of our inheritance? The promised helper, the comforter, the teacher, the one who calls to our remembrance the things we have been taught. We have the Holy Spirit. And it's up to us as children of God to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives so that we can obtain that ultimate inheritance of a reward in heaven. But then at the end of verse 14, we see again that in doing all these things, we do it to the praise of his glory. See, in working for the will of God, none of this is on us, but it all goes back to the praise and glory of God and not ourselves. And so in thinking about being children of God, what exactly does that mean to us? In chapter 2 and verse 10, we get to the familiar passage where it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's tools and his instruments for which his purpose is fulfilled. He is working a plan and purpose. Are you a part of it? And as we are his tools and his workmanship, we again see the fact that we were chosen for a purpose. These works were created for us long before the world was ever established. We have a purpose. And part of being a Christian, it says that we should walk in them. Being a Christian involves being active. You never find a stagnant Christian. For us to live and to walk and to be true children of God, we have to be working and walking in the will of God. And so as we know what it means for us to be children of God, to understand the fact that we were chosen, we're chosen so that we can receive our inheritance. And I want to plant a little seed with you this morning, and we'll come back and grow it in a second. And it's a verse that Philip read actually in Titus 3 and 7, where it says, So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's what it's all about. The hope of eternal life. Living for a future, a home in heaven with God. So we're children of God, and we know the reward that we're trying to obtain. So now the question then becomes, how do we get it? How do we obtain it? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, and also in Romans 8, where we'll look in a minute, we come across two parallel passages that give us a little bit more insight into what it truly means for us to get the inheritance of God. So in 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 and 9, we see where it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. In verse 9, we see so much of what we've talked about already this morning. We see the fact that we were saved, that we were called to a holy calling. For us as Christians, we have to live a life of holiness. And in living this life of holiness, we were called not because of ourselves, not because of our works, but because of the works of God through Jesus Christ. And again, we see that all this was here before the ages began. But there's a phrase in verse 8 that I want us to pick up on and that we'll look at in Romans 8 in just a second where it says, But share in the suffering 
Okay, so now let's flip over to Romans 8 and, and develop this point a little bit further. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, in thinking about suffering, we see where it says, For you did not receive uh, uh, the Spirit himself, who bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So in verse 16, again, we have the image of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, being the surety of our inheritance. Once we are converted, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that is to play an active role in our Christian life from the time we receive it until the time we obtain our inheritance. And as we get in verse 17, we see that we are fellow heirs with Christ. And we can receive the inheritance, but it's conditional. It says, provided that we suffer. There's no doubt that we all want the reward. Whether you've been a Christian for 80 years or whether you're someone who simply has heard of God and know that heaven is associated with him, heaven is something that we all want. It by all means beats the alternative. But what are you willing to do to get it? Are you willing to share in suffering? When we think of suffering for the gospel, we think of men like Jesus, who was arrested, beaten, mocked, persecuted, forced to carry his own cross, which ultimately he would die upon. We think of men like Paul, who were beaten, arrested, stoned, shipwrecked, hungry, cold. If he suffered physically, if there was a way to do it, Paul did it. And so when we get to the 21st century and we think in our lives today, how are we supposed to share in that same suffering? My guess is that none of us in here have ever suffered to the physical extent that Paul or Jesus have. I mean, things can change, but it's a safe bet that we probably never will have to go through that same type of suffering. So what do we do? Well, so much of Jesus' teachings throughout the gospel, we see that as Christians, we're different. Even though we're physically here on this earth, we are no longer a part of it. We are living that holy calling. And by us being Christians, we realize that we're the minority, that people don't understand us. They don't get us. We'll suffer shame and ridicule. We'll be trampled upon. We will be taken advantage of because we have chosen to be a child of God. And so the question then becomes, are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to pick up your cross every single day and follow him? Are you ready to surrender all, to submit to the will of God, no matter what sacrifice it calls for? By deciding to be a child of God, we realize that we're probably going to lose friends. Family may not understand us. They may not get us. We may be ridiculed. We may not be able to advance in life because we are a Christian. But it's the fact that we are a Christian and that we're willing to share in the suffering that we can share in the inheritance with Christ. And in the end, we know that that is going to be worth it. And so as we continue putting our puzzle together this morning, let's transition a little bit from the idea of suffering more into the inheritance. And there's a passage in 1 John chapter 3 that ties these two together very nicely. As we get to 1 John chapter 3, look with me at verse 1 where it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Again, we see the fact that we're children of God. 
I know we've been saying that a lot this morning, but I really hope I'm starting to get the picture across is the fact that we are God's own children, that he's our father. But then again, we see like we just talked about, and as Jesus mentions in the gospel, the reason why the world does not know us is because it didn't know him. I mean, you would think that if the savior of humanity came to the earth and they killed him, then people who decide to be his followers, they're not going to have much luck either. But as Christians, we know that that is part of it. But as we get to verses 2 and 3, we move from the suffering into the inheritance. And so it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We are God's children right now. Right now, you and I are children of God. And even though we haven't obtained the eternal inheritance of heaven just yet, we are living in light of that inheritance. We have the Holy Spirit living and working inside of us, being our guide. We have the church family. The earthly kingdom has been established so that we as Christians can work together to get that inheritance. And we know we have this hope one day that Christ is going to return. And that when he returns, he's going to take us to heaven with him. And though we don't know or we don't understand what we're going to be like when we go, we know that he's coming. We know that we're going to obtain that reward and we are ready and waiting for it whenever the time may come. But in verse 3, again, we get to the theme of hope and of holiness where it says, And and everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. He was holy and blameless. As human beings, we have sin in our life. That's just part of it. But as Christians who are walking and being led by the Spirit of God, we know and understand that we have the safety net of grace. We have forgiveness there when we need it. We realize that we're not perfect, and as we continually walk in light, and as we are purified daily, we know that Christ will purify us. That He is there, and that one day He will purify us and make us into such a state that we can obtain the inheritance with God. And so as we really begin to put the final pieces of our puzzle together in painting the idea of what our inheritance truly is, turn with me to Titus chapter 2. I know we've been turning a lot this morning, but we've just got a couple more passages. Thank you for bearing with us. In Titus chapter 2 verses 13 and 14, we get a better glimpse of what it means to be children of God excited for the inheritance. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good words. Again, we have this theme of hope, this excitedness, this anticipation. And when we think of the inheritance, when we think of heaven, I want to ask you a question of when was the last time you were truly excited about the thought of heaven. I mean, think about it for a second. What do we have here on this earth that we tie ourselves down to? We have sin, sickness, temptation, heartache, sadness, anything wrong, anything sad, anything evil, it's here on this earth. But yet we cloud ourselves into thinking that we can't leave, that there are so many things we have to do that we have to accomplish that we're tied down here. I mean, we talked about how we all want the inheritance, but what are we willing to do to get it? But when you think about it like that, and then you think on the other hand, well, what's the alternative to being here on this earth? 
It's heaven. So we can be in this earth with sin and temptation and sadness. Or we can be around the throne of God with the saints and the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. To be in the throne room of heaven with the glory of God being the light. With the street of gold and the river of life. Where there's no sin, no sadness, no temptation. And yet we tie ourselves down to this earth. Friends, that's almost foolishness on our parts to be so tied down that we lose sight of what our inheritance truly is. And so when we look at these verses a little bit further, it says that Christ, he gave himself for us to save us from lawlessness, to save us from this earth so that we don't have to be orphans any longer. But it says that he is going to, again, purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Like we looked in Ephesians 2 this morning, that we have works and things created for us long before the creation of the world. Those of us who are active and those who are doing those things, Christ is going to purify for himself a people who are zealous for good works. And so as we move on to the final piece of the puzzle this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, I feel like this passage sums everything up so perfectly. There's almost little explanation that's needed for it. But in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. How beautiful is that? To know that we have the Spirit of God working inside of us. And that since we are children of God, we've been adopted. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer tied to the chains of this world. We're no longer held under the old law. But we've been given freedom through Christ. We're free. And as being free, we are a son. And as sons and daughters, we are heirs of God. And as we've looked at this morning, by being heirs of God, we are in line to receive the inheritance of heaven. Eternal life. What makes this life worth living is the fact that we can live in eternity. And so as we've been putting the pieces of the puzzle together this morning, I hope that you can really see of what it means for us to be a child of God, living in line to receive the king's inheritance. We see that for us to be children of God, we have to understand that we are adopted. That God has chosen you before the creation of the world. And he has given you words that you are supposed to do to help complete the purpose of God. In this, we have to be active in doing those words. We have to be active in living a life of holiness and being led by the Spirit. And in doing this, we not only follow the will of God, but we also bring praise and glory and honor to his name. Additionally, with that, we know that there's going to be suffering. That being a Christian isn't easy. That we have separated ourselves from the world because we have been set apart by God. And in being set apart by God and being his son and being his daughter, we are in line to receive the king's inheritance. If that doesn't excite you, if that doesn't make you happy to be a Christian, I don't know what will. The fact that you and I are in line to receive the king's inheritance makes life worth the living. You know, whenever you start a puzzle you spread all the pieces out on the table, and it's a jumbled mess. There's no order. You have to turn the pieces over, examine them, and see what fits. 
But as you begin to look at it, as you look at the bots and see the picture, you begin to realize what's taking shape. A lot of times, our life can seem like the puzzle. Like we're scattered across the table in a thousand pieces without a clue what to do. And when we have those pieces of the puzzle, but we have no one to put it together, then we're hopeless. But when we have those pieces of the puzzle and when we we place them into the hands of God to make the puzzle into the image of his will, then we are left with the most beautiful picture we can imagine. And so this morning I leave you with a very simple question. Are you a child of God? Are you in line to receive the king's inheritance or are you an orphan? If you are an orphan, if you're not a child of God, if you want to put Christ on in baptism, to have forgiveness of your sins, but also to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you can receive the king's inheritance, why not now? Maybe you've done it, but need prayers of the church to come back and to be joined again to the family of God. Then why not now? The father is ready to adopt. Now the only question is, will you let him? If we can help you in any way this morning, please come while we stand as we sing.